How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. You guys know that I love to talk about personal finance, uh, financial security, and wealth building. And so when I meet my friends and colleagues, we obviously talk about medicine, we talk shop, but I also bring into the topic of, you know, financial security. And so in a lot of my conversations with my colleagues, I realize one thing. Some of us really don't know anything about personal finance, and some of us know a lot about personal finance. And then there's the group in between are the people who think they know a lot about personal finance, but actually don't. And what they're really saying is that they know a lot about investment, but that's it. They know a lot about investments. They really don't know much about tax planning, tax strategies, estate planning, risk management, and corporations and pensions. When I ask them how come they are so confident in their financial plan, the response I get is, I get a really good yield on my investments. And when I ask them if they're doing better than the advisors, they tell me, yeah, of course. And when I ask them what they do for their day job, they say they are doctors. So I ask them again, if they spent over 10,000 hours in their craft, of investing or financial planning? And you know the answer. Obviously, the answer is no. So how come as physicians, we think we know or can do better than someone who has spent more than 10,000 hours at perfecting their craft? In Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, he talks about the 10,000 hour rule. This is how much time you need to dedicate to your craft to be really good and be an expert at what you do. And so if we as physicians don't spend more than 10,000 hours on finances and practicing personal finance, why do we think that we are better than the advisors who come and advise us? And we think that we have better returns than the advisors. And even if we have better returns than what the advisors can get us, the question is, Are we doing all we can to not leave money on the table if we are not having a good tax strategy and a good risk mitigation strategy? Are you an outlier in investing and also in personal finance? Welcome back, everybody, to the show, How Is My Financial Health Doc Podcast, and I am your host, Vuket Tran. Today, I want to talk about something that I see very often coming back over and over again, and this is in relation to our knowledge in personal finance and our lack of initiative to try to learn more about it. Here's the scenario. I often have chats and discussions about personal finance with my colleagues, whether they are in the emergency department, family medicine, or other specialty. Some of my colleagues 
really don't know much about personal finance and they leave it all to their advisors. And so in that scenario, they relinquish all control to their advisors, which I don't think it's a good thing to do because we need to have at least some basic understanding of personal finance. On the other spectrum, I find other colleagues who are do-it-yourselfers. And I am also a do-it-yourselfer, but I also recognize where my limitations are. Unfortunately, a lot of people that I speak to will say, well, listen, I've got enough money in my corporation and here's how I'm investing it. And when I talk about other things of personal finance, many of them will say, well, I'm already doing very well. Uh, I, my yields and rate of returns are very good. Uh, in fact, it's better than most people. I don't disagree with that. I think that if you know how to invest and you know what asset class you want to invest in, that is amazing. That is very good. And I think you're probably one of the top 5% of physicians who know how to invest. But I think that is part of the problem. The problem is not just about investing. When we talk about personal finance, it goes beyond investments, right? I've mentioned this in my previous podcast on podcast number one, where I talk about the financial orders of operation. And in the financial orders of operation, the investment component is actually level number three. And so if we are only focused on investment, we are actually missing out on things that we are supposed to be doing in the level number one and level two. So building a solid personal financial strategy really needs to take into account the things that we need to do on level one and level two before we move to level three. So why am I talking about this now? The reason is because a lot of my colleagues only focus on investments. And that is not a bad thing. I mean, we should know about investments and how to invest, but we should also know how to save. We should also know how to properly manage taxes. We should also know how to mitigate risk. And we should also know how to plan for our estate. All of these are very important items of personal financial planning. Unfortunately, a lot of our colleagues don't understand the full spectrum of this, but they feel that they can handle their personal finance on their own. Now, I'm not saying that we can't, and I'm not saying that we're not smart enough, but if I come back to what Malcolm Gladwell is saying about 10,000 hours of practice, I am almost certain that physicians, whatever specialty we are in, do not have 10,000 hours of financial planning. If that was the case, we would be financial planners. We wouldn't be physicians. At the end of the day, our daytime job is doctoring. We do provide care and healthcare to patients. We do not sit in front of a computer watching candles go up and down. We don't look at the stock market on a daily basis. We don't analyze reports. We don't analyze companies and we definitely do not look at financial statements of companies to see which stock we're going to buy and which stock we're going to sell. What we do is we invest for the long term and we save for the long term. But we do that with the caveat 
that we will go up and down with the market if we are invested in either ETFs or index funds. So we must recognize that yes, we will go up and down with the market as the index or the ETFs go up and down. Some of us will buy individual stocks and that's okay too, as long as we know that this is a stock that we will hold for long term, but it's also a stock that has value as opposed to maybe buying a stock because of momentum. For example, GameStop or even AMC, those are probably momentum type of strategy. Those are not what I call value investing. But we should know the difference between the two, shouldn't we? And if we don't, then maybe we should not be investing in GameStop or AMC. Also, additionally, even if we are investing into stocks, the question is, how much do we understand of it? In my chats with a lot of my colleagues, many of, the, many of them actually invest in different stocks because their cousin told them to, their neighbor told them to, well, even one of their eMERGE stocks told them to. So coming back to those who know a lot about investing, it seems like they think they know a lot. And I'm not saying that they don't. I'm saying that they don't know as much as someone who has 10,000 hours of practice. But I guess my biggest fear for them is that while they are, or they may be very good at investments, they are not very good at risk management. They are not very good at estate planning. And for sure, I don't believe that they are very good at tax planning. They are very much focused on yield and returns. And I've said it many times, our problem is not a problem of accumulation. Our problem is a problem of distribution. How much do I keep at the end of the day? While I can make a lot in a return, but I have to pay half of it in taxes, then that's not a very efficient way of investing, is it? And this seems very topical right now because I am having discussions with a lot of my colleagues whom their accountants are telling them to do a capital strip exactly for that reason, because they've accumulated so much growth with the retained earnings within the corporation that they are now faced with a huge capital gains tax bill. And they are trying to figure out what to do with that. Now that for me is a reactive type of process. Before investing the retained earnings within the corporation, one should have thought about how to take it out at the end with minimizing tax right from the get-go, not when it's time to take it out. And for me, that's a reactive type of strategy as opposed to being a proactive strategy. Had someone thought about how to take it out at the end, I believe that the most strategic way of doing it tax efficiently would not be capital stripping. Uh, at least with not, not with that in mind at the end. I am sure that other strategies exist and they do in terms of how to invest to take it out tax efficiently at the end. Unfortunately, capital stripping in my mind is just a band-aid solution to something that they never thought about right from get-go. One of the things that I find very interesting 
is that physicians think that they know how to invest, how to save when they've never had proper training for it. You know, when I'm in the emergency department and I've got a patient coming in with a laceration at the border of a eyelid, yeah, I could try to repair that on my own or I can refer to an ophthalmologist who will do a better job than I will. Or the same thing, if I see a patient who has a dislocated shoulder and I can do it on my own safely, I would. But if I can't, I will ask the help of an orthopedic surgeon colleague. Now, it seems like in medicine, we know how to do this. We recognize our limitations and we recognize when it's time to call help. But very curiously, when it comes to personal finance, we fail to recognize that. And we think that just by doing DIY and following simple basic concepts of ETFs and index funds that we are good. Unfortunately, we don't know what we don't know and what we don't know can harm us 20, 30 years from now. Unfortunately, we won't know that until 20, 30 years from now. Understanding your limitations in how you invest, save and plan for your finances is crucial. The person who can help you with that is a certified financial planner who has hopefully more than 10,000 hours of practice and experience. And so if I don't have that amount of time of 10,000 hours or more, am I as good as the expert who's doing it? In my mind, we need a team to help us do this. Because if we do this on our own, without the help of other professionals who actually have the experience and the knowledge, we can hurt ourselves really, really bad without knowing it. But the question that everybody has is, well, how do I know that I'm not in front of a salesman, that I'm not in front of a charlatan, just trying to take my money away from me? How do I know if I have a good advisor? Well, you can go back to my podcast on October 11th, 2020, when we look at how do I know if I have a good advisor or not. Many of us have set up a corporation, professional corporation, to leverage the retained earnings to save within the corporation. It is definitely a good strategy in comparison to someone who has not set up a corporation and invest in the personal name. However, you and I know that there are changes in the rules that now can minimize the effect of passive income inside a corporation. So what has happened is that what the corporation was set up to do to sort of keep the retained earnings so that we have a good retirement plan has now been dampened by these new laws. And so what else can the corporation be used to do? Unfortunately, many of us are not familiar with what the corporation can do with those retained earnings. And it is that that is important that we use a financial planner, and again, seeking the help of someone who has more, those, more than those 10,000 hours of experience and practice. The setup of a corp is just the first step. Investing with the retained earnings in the corp is a second step. But there's a third, fourth, and fifth step that could be done and use corporation as a leverage. Unfortunately, again, many of us stop at step number two, which is investing in the corporation, but they don't move to step number three, four, and five. 
So you may wonder, what are these steps number three, four, and five? Well, steps number three is you can now risk mitigate and also increase your net worth by purchasing several different life policies within your corporation to help with wealth building, estate planning, and risk mitigation. Step number four could be the implementation of a private pension plan within our corporation. I have many podcasts and episodes discussing private pension plans. And please listen to them again if you need to understand how that could be used to leverage the retained earnings sitting inside your company and also be the most tax efficient possible. Finally, in step number five, it is to truly understand the CDA account, the capital dividend account within your corporation. I think this is one of the best kept secrets of the corporation that no one has ever told us about. I will have a podcast specifically discussing the CDA account very soon. I can tell you that from discussions with my colleagues that no one has paid attention to the CDA account the way they should be. And so setting up the corporation is just the first step. Please don't stop there. There are many things that one can do to leverage the MPC. And if you don't do that, you are leaving money on the table for sure. Coming back to what I was saying, if you were not familiar with this or you were not aware of this, then you are leaving too much money on the table. You are foregoing too much opportunity. And ask yourself the question, have you spent more than 10,000 hours on personal finance? And if you haven't, then please recognize that you need help. Recognize that investments is just one small part of personal finance. I have these discussions with many colleagues all the time, and I'm always amazed at how many of us tell me how good they are in investment, but lack to recognize that they are also very bad at other aspects of financial planning. Unfortunately for them, they don't recognize what they don't know, and that will hurt them in the long run. The purpose of this particular podcast is to bring everyone's attention to some of our blind spots. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.